Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Hey there, squad. Welcome back to episode number 68. Today's solo episode, fair warning, is definitely going to be a little sassy because there are a few things that we need to just get straight. We need to cover a few things. And these 10 things that we're going to cover are things that I never want to hear you say ever again. I have the privilege of being able to check in with my coaching clients on a regular basis. We have not had to change our correspondence. Thank goodness for virtual businesses. I'm so fortunate. I'm so blessed to continue being able to work with my clients. And throughout this really hard season, I've observed a lot of things. But one of the things that I've observed is that what we focus on expands. And because the world is super stressed and very anxious and full of fear and panic, that starts to bleed over into all other areas, including our relationships with food and our relationships with our body. And there's a lot of variables that go into this. For example, if I'm stressed, I don't make as mindful food choices and those less mindful food choices leave me feeling not so hot in my body. And then I feel worse because I don't feel hot in my body. So I don't prioritize my stress management and it turns into this perpetual cycle that we feel like we can't break free from. But the negative thing that I'm seeing, that I'm noticing among coaching client conversations, but also just you, whom I am connecting with and hanging out with in the Instagram DMs, is that when we're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and fearful, we tend to complain more and not feel as grateful and not celebrate our wins as frequently. And that's a problem because what we focus on expands. So if we're focusing on what sucks and what doesn't feel good and what isn't going well, guess what? That's what we see more of. So today I am going to share 10 things with you that I have heard that I am encouraging you to omit completely from your vocabulary because these things are in no way, shape or form helping you. In fact, they are going so far beyond not helping you and they're hindering you and your progress. So whip out a little note on your iPhone or a pen and paper, if you will, because these 10 things I need you to remember. I'm positive that they're a part of your vocabulary now. I'm positive that you're thinking and saying these things now, and you're going to continue doing so. I know that. I'm not naive. But when they pop up the next time, I need you to notice and name when you say this, when you think this, and zap it with something that is helpful, with something that is positive, with something that is uplifting and encouraging. And we need to neutralize the negative because if we focus on the negative, we create more negative and I'm not allowing you to do that. So 10 things that I want you to stop saying, are you ready? The first thing is, but she's doing it. She makes it look easy. It works for her. 
I have heard variations of this nonstop since becoming an online nutrition coach, because as women, we tend to compare and diet culture encourages us to do this. Her body looks like that. Yours should too. Oh yeah. This is the one right way for all of us to eat. Come on board. That's not a thing. And so if you ever catch yourself comparing your journey, your nutrition, your body to someone else's, I also want you to acknowledge that it is 100% unfair to do so because her life is not your life. Her circumstances are not your circumstances and you have no idea what she is going through. And I have a unique perspective in that I get to work with approximately 40 men and women, mostly women working through their relationship with food to create something confident, something nourishing, something sustainable and life-giving out of something that was formerly deprivation based, rooted in restriction and full of fear. And the unique perspective that I have being able to work with all of these amazing rock stars is that I get to see and know a bit more about what's going on in their lives. And sometimes someone can see an immense amount of weight loss success, or it seems as though it appears though to everyone looking from the outside in that they're doing really well when in fact they're eating less because they're experiencing some type of family trauma. When in fact they're over-exercising because it is their only coping mechanism and they're going through a divorce. When in fact, I hope you get the idea. They could be going through so many things you have no idea about. And all you're looking at is the cover, the outside, and you're envying his or her life. When in fact you wouldn't want it. You just want a certain part of her life. And it is 100% ludicrous for you to continue pain shopping because that's what you're doing by saying, well, she can do it. It's working for her. Why isn't it working for me? It's basically like you pouting in the corner because somebody else has it better. When in fact you do not know her full story. And I just had this conversation with a coaching client. I guess it was a week or two ago. And she was talking about how when she was leaner, she felt better in her body and she wanted to return back to that body composition. And so I asked her this question, would you want everything that was true of your life then in order to have that body composition now? Would you want the mental health that came with that? Would you want the food choices that came with that? Would you want your relationships and your job and everything else to be the same as it was then if you had the same body composition now? And she said, no, of course not. I was really unhappy. I was full of restriction. I just like my body better. Hello? You can't have the outcome without getting the same behavior, without producing the same actions. And those actions are not always healthy. They're not always what leave us happy. So if you are comparing yourself to anyone else, even yourself to a former version of yourself that your brain tells you was a better version, please do me this favor and be honest and be genuine with yourself and ask, but would I want everything that's involved with her life or with that former version of my life. If I'm being honest, do I want all of those variables back or am I completely fooling myself by just picking and choosing what I want? Because that's basically like a Mr. Potato Head game that you're playing with yourself and it isn't fair. So I need you to stop. 
And I know, again, I know comparison is deeply rooted in our culture and it's hard to escape from. So the next time you catch yourself comparing your journey to someone else's, your body to someone else's, your diet to someone else's, try reframing and asking this question. What is she doing well right now that I can emulate? What is working for her that I might be able to replicate? Why is that working for her? And could it work for me? Maybe what she's doing is not designed for your body at all. In which case you're comparing apples to oranges, move on. Or maybe she's being super consistent where you're lacking in consistency and you can learn from that and you can apply it in a positive way because being encouraged by each other is not a negative thing. In fact, it's extremely positive and uplifting, but comparing, comparing two people who are completely different, living in two completely different bodies is just not fair. So please stop saying She's doing it better. She makes it look easy. It works for her. You don't know her life and her body is not yours. Hard stop. The second thing I want you to please stop saying is I don't understand why I'm gaining weight because yes, you do. Nutrition science is extremely clear. If weight gain is occurring, you are eating in a caloric surplus, meaning you're eating more energy than your body needs. That's not something to be ashamed about. It just is. And if that's happening, we can change that trajectory. If you are eating in a caloric deficit, you will be losing weight. So if you are not currently losing weight, you are not currently eating in a caloric deficit. Now, when you say, I don't understand why I'm gaining weight, you do. You understand. What you mean to say is, I don't understand why it's so challenging right now for me to eat in a caloric deficit. I don't understand why I can't stop snacking at night. I don't understand why I can't stay consistent with my food prep or my workout regimen. I don't understand why this isn't working for me, what I'm doing right now. So instead of blaming it on your body because there's something wrong with it, no, there isn't, we need to look at the variables that are currently at play. What about this current scenario is not working for me? Because if I'm not currently on the trajectory I want to be towards sustainable fat loss, something I'm doing right now is not working. And oftentimes it's because I'm not as nourished as my body needs to be. I'm not eating as much protein or as much vegetables or as many smart carbs as I know would leave me feeling great. Or maybe it's because I'm stuck at home right now and snacks are abounding, right? They're everywhere. And I know that when I'm bored and when I'm stressed, I've been conditioned to snack. And instead of working on stress management and instead of building some support systems, I just keep repeating that behavior. That is why you're not seeing weight loss. That's why you're gaining weight. You understand that. You know that. Stop blaming the outcome because the outcome you can't control. The outcome is a direct result of your behaviors. So if you're frustrated with your current outcomes, be it weight gain or weight loss or weight maintenance or whatever's happening, ask, what about my behaviors? What about the variables that are currently at play? What about that isn't working for me? Why am I not able to eat within that caloric deficit? Do I feel too restricted if I cut? 
that probably means I'm not getting enough of the nutrient dense items. Do I feel like maybe I'm eating when I'm not hungry? That means I need non-food related coping strategies. That's where we can really get into the meat of what's going on and come up with a solution. But if you're just saying, I don't understand why I'm not, why I'm getting, I don't understand why I can't look. Yes. Yes, you do. Don't blame or contribute to the problem. We need to come up with a solution. Why? Why do you feel like right now it's so hard? What is the barrier? I need you to do that digging. You have to be your own researcher if you're going to figure out what isn't working and how to change it. Otherwise, you're just complaining about an outcome that is simply A plus B equals C. It's just something that occurs because of the things you're already doing. So we have to change the things if we want to change the outcome. I hope that makes sense. The third thing I implore you to stop saying is, but I thought blank was bad for you. I thought bread was bad for you. I thought fruit was bad for you. I thought I couldn't eat peanut butter. It was too high in calories. Nothing, nothing on this planet is as bad for you as the stories you tell yourself. You could eat something with zero nutritional value. You could have a Pop-Tart with mostly fake food coloring jelly filling. And you know what? You would be just fine. You could have a cookie. You could have ice cream. You could have anything you wanted and it would be just fine for you. Your body knows what to do with those things. Now, will it leave you feeling as great as something whole food oriented and nutrient dense? No. But is it bad for you? No. It's something that if you really, truly, deeply want it, we need to learn how to work into a mostly balanced, nourishing relationship with food. But you saying, oh, this thing is bad for me, is just perpetuating shame. And if you've been around for any length of time, you know that I stand against shame really adamantly because it never produces positive change. We're basically being our own bully. We're feeling bad for something that we're doing, which means that we are a bad person. We take that on on our identity and it only leads to future negative choices that leave us feeling, you guessed it, bad. So I need you to stop associating food morality with your diet, with your current nutrition strategy. Are there more nourishing foods and less nourishing foods? Yes. Will you probably feel like shit if you always eat on the less nourishing end of the spectrum? Yes. Is it going to ruin your progress for you to eat something with zero nutritional value from time to time because you really enjoy it and like the taste? No. So having fruit, first and foremost, not at all bad for you. Definitely a whole food oriented, nutrient dense, option, but nothing is bad for you. So when you tell me, but I thought that was bad. I know that in your brain, every time you eat that, you're telling yourself that you're bad. You did a bad job and that is just sending you down the shame spiral. So you're going to proceed to make not so great choices moving forward because you already feel like you've messed up. So instead of thinking in terms of good and bad food choices, ask yourself, how will this leave me feeling? What is this giving me? Is this simply giving me taste and joy? That's fine. There's a time and a place for that. Or is this giving me fiber and vitamins and minerals and important macronutrients like protein, carbs, and fats. What is it? How is it serving me? 
ask yourself those questions, but do not beat yourself up. Do not label yourself or food as being bad because that will only send you down a negative spiral. It won't help you create a confident, healthy relationship with food. The fourth thing I ask that you stop saying is now's just not a good time. And let's be real, now is just as good of a time as any. Maybe you have other priorities right now, and so those things are taking precedence. That's fine, but now is not a good time, is not an appropriate excuse, because the time is always now. Ready is a lie. You will never be ready. Life will never get to the point where things feel so easy and you have so much free time. Now is the time. That doesn't happen. That's a fairy tale. You're telling yourself, a fantasy story if you're waiting to work on your relationship with food, if you're waiting to reach your goal until the perfect time pops up on your calendar. That's a bunch of BS. It's not going to happen. You can have seasons where there are other things that are more important to you. For example, stress is very high right now, and a lot of people are realizing that focusing on other things, perhaps their mental health, coming up with some sort of income for their family, keeping a roof over their head and food on the table is more important than fat loss. And I would agree in many instances, that's the right response. There are other more important priorities. However, there are always reasons to prioritize your health and your nutrition and your movement, because that is simply how you care for yourself on a fundamental level. So regardless of whether or not you have a fat loss goal right now, that's not what this is about. The time is always now to care for yourself. And if you're saying, well, I'll get to me. I'm just going to keep pushing me to the bottom of the list. I need to keep doing these other things for other people. Girlfriend, you're never going to get there. I'm being very frank, I'm being very open, I'm being very honest with you because I've seen it. I've seen it play out in the lives of so many wonderful women who are so worthy of care and nourishment who constantly put themselves at the bottom of the list. So if you're waiting for the right time, the perfect time, I hope you're prepared to just continue waiting forever because that's what's going to happen. Somebody else will always need something. And if the expectation you're setting is that people can trample over your needs so that you meet theirs, that is exactly what's going to continue happening. So please stop waiting to feel ready. Please stop waiting for the right time and start showing up for yourself in the best way you know how to today. Your health, your self-care on a fundamental level, mentally and physically, cannot wait for the right time. So please stop allowing that to be an excuse. The fifth thing that I ask you stop saying is, I thought I was doing so well, but apparently not after weighing in. This is something that I heard last week. And honestly, I think smoke started blowing out of my ears when I heard it because you do not need the scale for validation. You can make a million health-promoting choices. You can make great food choices that improve your health, help reduce chronic disease, allow you to feel better, perform better, and yes, even look better and have the scale not validate you. Does that mean that those behaviors you took were not health-promoting? Absolutely not. Does it mean that they didn't in some way make you healthier, make you happier, or leave you feeling more nourished? Absolutely not. If you are looking to the scale to affirm that you've done the right things, this makes me so mad. You're going to stay stuck on the diet culture roller coaster ride. 
because the scale will never, never, never affirm all of the smart, nourishing choices you make. You might have a fantastic week. This just happened last week. A client had an amazing week. We were tracking her compliance. She said energy felt better. She was really confident and happy with her choices. And guess what? She stepped on the scale and she was up a couple pounds. Initially, that is disappointing. I hear you. It's understandable for us to be trained, conditioned to look to the scale for that affirmation. But when we don't see it, many of you would say, well, this isn't working anyway. What the hell is the point? I'm just going to go back to eating what I want if it's not working. Right? And we had that conversation initially. She was discouraged. And then we were able to reframe and say, hey, this outcome doesn't make sense to us because we were tracking the effort, the behavior, the actions that went in. And what we're seeing out doesn't line up. But we're not going to let the scale dictate what we do next because the scale measures a lot of things and is very fickle. We are going to stay on this course, stay on this trajectory and trust that this is some kind of an anomaly. Now, maybe we continue tracking trending data and we realize that something is happening that we're unaware of and we need to dive deeper into. But nine times out of 10, and guys, I've been doing this for a while, nine times out of 10, the scale catches up with you eventually, but it was just a fluke. It was an anomaly. She had something salty the night before. Maybe it's the week before period is due. Who knows? Who knows? But if you are looking to the scale to say, good job, mama, or you suck, you are going to keep sucking for a very long time because the scale cannot be the most important metric you use to track progress. And it can never be the only metric you use to track progress. So what I want you to do is to never say that again, because if you thought you were doing well, ask why. Was my behavior more compliant? Did I feel like I was more consistent? Were my choices better? None of that is null and void because the scale doesn't demonstrate that you lost weight today or this week. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Please hear me. This is huge. I need you to get this through your brain. Before stepping on the scale, I want you to ask, How was my compliance this week? How do I feel about my choices this week? How was my behavior this week? And if you feel confident about it, maybe just don't even weigh in because you don't need it. If you know you feel great in your body and you feel great mentally and you feel great with your choices, move the fuck on. You do not need the scale to validate those choices. Is it fine to collect that metric and look at it in the grand scheme of things? Because data can be helpful. Yes. And if you can look at it more objectively, I would encourage it to be one of many metrics you track, but never the only metric and never something that you allow to dictate your next steps because it will always lead to sabotage. The sixth thing that I ask you remove from your vocabulary, from your thought process entirely is carbs make me fat. No, they don't. Carbohydrates are not inherently fattening. Just because you eat carbs does not mean you will gain body fat. Does it mean that you might be making slightly less smart choices that lead to consuming more calories? For example, if you're eating Doritos or if you're having Oreos or if you're having something like tortilla chips or pretzels, who knows? Those things are so savory. They're delicious. No arguments here. 
but they're also very calorically dense. So you can keep eating them and eating them and eating them and eating them. Those are carbohydrates, true, but it's not the carbs that are causing you to gain body fat. It's an excess amount of calories. And because you chose simple carb choices, you are encouraging yourself to eat more quantity. That is what results in fat gain. Now, you might be thinking, well, when I eat carbohydrates, the scale goes up. And once again, circling back around to point number five, please never allow the scale to dictate your next steps for this exact reason. Carbohydrates do encourage our body to retain water weight because of glycogen. So if you are coming, for example, from a low or no carb diet and you try to reintroduce carbohydrates back into your diet, it may leave you feeling better from an energy perspective. You may actually feel leaner in your body because all bodies need carbs, but the scale will be up because you are retaining more water than you were because you're eating more carbs than you were. This does result in temporary weight gain and a small fluctuation, but weight gain is not the same thing as fat gain. So because you are eating more water by way of carbs, you're retaining more water and that makes you heavier. Does that mean you gained body fat? No. Oftentimes when a client comes to me from a low or no carb diet history, we want to introduce carbs back in because they don't want to live the rest of their life without carbs. And you know, my shtick is sustainability. So let's get you set up with a confident relationship with food that you can foresee yourself sticking with for life so that you can keep your results for life. And honestly, I've not heard one person come to me and say, I don't want to eat a carbohydrate for the rest of my life. I like this low carb diet not one. So we reintroduce carbs back in. And do you know what I tell them? Stay off the scale for two weeks. For two weeks, stay off the damn scale because I know reintroducing carbs is going to make that scale number go up. But I want them to focus on how they feel because if they're feeling better, that will result in better results that are more sustainable in the long term. But I don't want them to get freaked out by that initial fluctuation because the carbs are reintroduced. So I take that metric away so that they don't sabotage and instead encourage them to focus on energy level, on workout performance. Because if you're feeling better, friends, it will translate to looking better eventually. Yes, it will. But you have to focus on feeling good first before you can focus on aesthetics. You can't immediately focus on aesthetics and body composition changes before making sure that you're adequately nourished and feeling fantastic. I feel like I'm I'm just getting super hyped up in today's podcast episode and I knew it was going to be a sassy one, but I need you to hear these things because they're all extremely important. And every time you say one of these things, you are setting yourself up for sabotage. So we just need to call them out every time you think or say something along these lines. I want you to just zap it because it's not helping you. So I hope today's podcast is helpful. I know I'm a little amped up. The seventh thing that I would ask you to stop saying is I'm just not an emotional person. I just can't journal, Nicole. I just, I'm not touchy feely. (laughs) And I know this one might seem like it's a little bit out of left field because we've been talking about nutrition specifics, but if you've been with me for any length of time, you know that I talk an equal amount about mindset as I do nutrition science and the nutrition fundamentals. And that's intentional because progress is just as much mindset as it is our consistent action steps. You can't get to where you're going without changing your thoughts and your actions consistently. And so when I work with a one-on-one coaching client, we're digging deep. We're diving into their behaviors 
not just what they do, but why they occur. Why did you feel like this was the best thing? Why was this your knee-jerk reaction? Why is this your coping mechanism of choice? Is that what you saw modeled for you as a young child? Is that what you've practiced and rehearsed and have become comfortable with as an adolescent? Like, why? What's, what's the deeper meaning here? And every once in a while, I'll talk with someone who says, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just... I don't have emotions. I don't think about it. I just do it. And that last part of that sentence might be true. You might not think about what you're doing. It may just be automatic at this point. But I assure you, if you're a living, breathing human being, you do have emotions (laughs) and you do have motivations behind your behaviors. So I think... I think what I'm trying to say with this one is please don't dismiss the emotional component of your behavior. So much of what you do and why you do it is emotionally driven. For example, a lot of us are dealing with, if you're listening to this in real time, this COVID-19 crazy situation and stress is very high and it's essentially a trauma that we're all going through, right? We're all having to navigate this very new and unknown experience together, but while also alone because we're socially distancing. And this has brought up a lot of trauma, a lot of stress, a lot of discomfort for many of my coaching clients because maybe they live alone and this is only heightening their sense of aloneness because now they don't have their networks and they don't have their groups and they don't have their workout classes. You know, they're alone and that's scary. And so we have to dive into what they're feeling and why that's resulting in more stress snacking or more wine throughout the week. Maybe it's because they're angry that this has to happen. And maybe they are out of work or having to work from home. And that just feels unfair and it sucks. And they're trying to homeschool their kids from home. And and that anger is resulting in just wanting to chomp on something and crunch on something chewy and just forget about goals because we're just so blinded by that emotion. And so what I'm helping my clients to do is to actually feel those feelings and come up with healthier non-food related coping mechanisms so that we can actually address what's going on underneath the surface. And there's a lot of people who would just dismiss it. Like, I I just, I don't know. I act the way that I do and I don't want to explore it. I don't want to examine it and just leave it alone, Nicole. And if that's the case, we're probably not the best fit (laughs) because I know that digging into those feelings, digging into those emotions and the why behind the what is arguably what makes the biggest difference in someone's journey. And that's what produces long-term progress is being able to understand the emotions and what's happening underneath the surface. So before you say, I'm just not into all that touchy feely stuff, I'm not an emotional person, maybe just quietly examine why that's your defense mechanism. Why does it make you uncomfortable to examine how you're feeling? Is it an insecurity where you never given the tools or the lingo to kind of talk about your emotions? Maybe, but I promise you have them. So instead of trying to shove it under a rug and dismiss the fact that you're not acting because of an emotion, maybe just explore, examine, do a little journaling. Maybe you need help talking through that. So looking into therapy might be helpful. I know my husband and I really, really love that we invest in ourselves and our mental health by going to therapy consistently. It's a game changer. And honestly, it's been super helpful because many of us don't process our emotions, don't talk about our emotions in the same way. So if you're in a relationship and you guys are trying to have healthy dialogue together, Sometimes you need someone else to help you unpack that. The eighth thing that I would love for you to stop saying is, I just want it to happen faster. Because no kidding, no kidding, 
Well, who doesn't want it to happen faster? I mean, honestly, if you give any person two options, one of those options being, hey, this happens in half the time and you get the same outcome, what do you think everybody chooses? The half the time option, right? If there's no difference in the outcome, everybody wants it to happen faster. I mean, if you said, Hey, I want to start and I want to create a six figure business. You have the option of doing it in six months and you have the option of doing it in 12 months. Duh. Who isn't going to choose the six month option? So if I present the option to someone and say, Hey, do you want to reach your big, powerful, sustainable fat loss goal in six months or 12? What do you think everybody wants? Like this is, it's such a no brainer. Everybody wants it faster. But the kicker is in real life, you don't get the same outcome when you try to do it faster. You get a worse outcome. You get a lesser outcome. You get a suckier outcome because when you do it fast, you're doing it more aggressively. So instead of being 80% compliant, you have to be 95% compliant with your action steps. You have to be strict. You have to be aggressive. You have to follow food rules and cut things out if you want to get there at a much faster pace. And do you know what that means when you finally get there? you realize, oh shit, I don't actually want to live my life this way. So I set a pace that isn't sustainable. And now that I realize that I'm going backwards, you take a step forward and three steps back because you have no idea. You have no tools. You have no skills. You did not build your success on sustainable action steps. So now you have the skill of being able to create quick results that don't last. Does that sound like what you want? Because it doesn't sound like what I want. In fact, I want something completely opposite of that. I will take time. I will take so much time to get the outcome I want so long as I am confident and assured that it is going to stick around. I will take the road less traveled and my coaching clients feel the exact same way. Would they choose to get to their goal faster if they could and also knew that it stuck around? Yes. Who wouldn't? We all would, but that's not how it works. Fast doesn't last. If you get there quickly, you're in a rush. You're not doing the work of mastering mindset. You're not ensuring that your steps are sustainable. You're quick, you're messy, and you might get results, but then they slip through your fingers because it wasn't something that you feel confident sticking with, which means the results don't stick around either. So yeah, we all want it to happen faster, but the the fact of the matter is, the truth is, it can't. All good things take time. My grandfather used to say, all good things take time. After all, I took nine months and it's true. So please stop rushing something that you want to last forever. And please stop comparing yourself in your sweatpants with a hole and your t-shirt with a stain and your messy bun to the perfectly crafted Instagram influencer who also is using a filter and has staged that photo for you because you want her six pack. Like, does she really have a six pack? I don't know. But is how she's living her life, how you want to live yours. Make sure that you are being realistic about what you need to put in, in order to get out because results don't happen by accident. And if you want the results to stick around, you have to ensure that the behaviors you take to get there stick around too. So yeah, we all want it to happen faster, but hard truth, good things take time. The ninth thing that please, please stop saying is I want to be toned because toned isn't a thing. When we say the word toned, what we mean is lean with visible muscle mass. I want to be toned means I don't have excess body fat. 
I want to lose fat, but I also don't want to not have any muscle tone. So I need to have some lean muscle mass. In order to get toned, you have to focus on one of two things, fat loss or lean mass gain. And when we see someone who is toned, we don't acknowledge that they've done the steps, they've taken the steps needed to do both of those things. They have a relationship with food that allows them to be in a caloric deficit and losing body fat, but they've also likely gone through seasons of lean mass gain where they're eating in a surplus, but they're doing this smart eating enough lean protein, also strength training so that they don't just put on body fat, but that they build muscle mass. That doesn't make you bulky. Please don't think that either. That's not a step. I just, gosh, strength training does not make you bulky. It makes you beautiful because then you have this muscle mass that once you lose the body fat will be visible and you can see that's toned. Toned is not a thing. You don't get toned by doing bar classes. You don't get toned by eating a certain food. You don't get toned by doing silly arm jiggle exercises. No, you don't. You get toned by living in a leaner body that also has some defined muscle mass. That's it. So toned, basically like a mythical creature that doesn't exist. (laughs) And when you say that, just know what you really mean. I currently have a coaching client who is going through all these steps. And if we compared a before and an after photo, you would say, wow, she looks toned. But do you know why? Because she went through a fat loss phase with me. We focused on sustainable fat loss for several months. And now she's in a lean mass building phase. She's putting on muscle mass. And once she puts on an amount of muscle mass that she feels comfortable with and confident with, we're going to return back to that sustainable fat loss action step. And she will have a lean body that allows her to look, feel, and perform really, really well. But it takes time, which brings me back to the last point, right? These things don't happen quickly. There is no quick fix, supplement, magic pill, or solution that is going to allow you to look and feel toned. So please stop subscribing to these silly, I don't know, workout DVDs that claim that that's what's going to happen because you do this in your living room. That's not how it works. You put in the work to either lose body fat or gain muscle mass. And yes, you can do both in a long timetable, but you cannot do both simultaneously at once on the same day. Moving on to our 10th and final thing. Please, please stop saying, I'm just not motivated. Because no kidding, none of us, not a single one of us feels motivated all the time. I tell my clients this incessantly. Motivation is a feeling. And just like sometimes a feeling comes and a feeling goes, motivation does the same thing. I can't rely on motivation. When it comes, like January 1st, each year like clockwork, I can capitalize on it and I can say, hey, let me use this to my advantage. But I cannot wait for it. I cannot rely upon it or I will never get to my goal. Because motivation comes sometimes. Usually it's extrinsically enforced. So something happens outside of me. Maybe I know summer is coming. I flip my calendar and I'm like, ah, I'm motivated for a day, for two days, for a week at most. And then the motivation wanes. The feeling goes away. And that's when most people, quote, fall off the wagon. Not a thing. Your life is a wagon. You never fall off of it. So stop waiting for motivation. Know that you can use it. But at the end of the day, You just have to commit to doing the thing, even when you don't want to do the thing. That's how you create consistent results. Some people call it grit. Some people call it hustle. I don't think you've got to call it any of that. It's just doing something when you don't feel like doing it. 
It's commitment. That's what it is. I don't always feel like working out. I'll be completely honest with you. There are days where I'm like, meh, I'd rather read a book in bed, right? Meh, I'd rather catch up on some extra work. But I do it because I want the outcome. And I do it because I've set systems and structures in place that ensure I do it. I have my alarm that goes off on my calendar to tell me, hey, it's time to get ready for your workout. I food prep on the weekends so that even when I don't feel like eating something nutrient dense on Tuesday or Wednesday, it's a no brainer because I already have that food in my fridge. Systems and structures that ensure even when I don't feel like it, I'm more likely to follow through because I know I want the outcome. I want that healthy body. I want that confident, nourishing relationship with food. I want to feel fantastic. I want to look fantastic and I want to perform well. And I know that if I did things only when I felt like them, I wouldn't get that outcome. And so I'm willing to commit to doing things even when it doesn't feel like the most exciting option available to me because the outcome means more to me. So no, you're not always going to feel motivated. Stop waiting to. It's just like the perfect time feeling ready. It doesn't exist. Motivation is not reliable. So use it when it rolls around, but don't wait for it. Set yourself up for success. Why do you think my clients hire me? Yes, some of it is because they don't know how to listen to their body. They don't know what to eat in order to feel well. But after the education piece, it's because they want to continually, consistently apply what they've learned. They want systems and structures in place like our coaching call check-ins, like our group coaching calls, like our Slack platform so that they know, okay, even when I don't feel like it, I have this outlet. I have this resource that will continue pushing me, that will continue driving me towards my ultimate destination. Sometimes things go great and they maybe don't need to lean on me or the group as much. And sometimes things are hard and they're so thankful that they have this system of accountability in place that they can rely on because even if they don't feel like it, they know that that outcome is so important to them. The why, the why is so important. They want it so badly that they're willing to say, even when it's hard, even when everybody else gives up because they're not motivated and they don't feel like it, I commit to showing up. And those are the successful people. Those are the people I want to work with. The people who say, I know this isn't always going to be easy. I know it's going to take time, but you know what? I'm worth it. And I am willing to do what it takes to get there. If that's you, let me know. I want to work with you. And I do have some one-on-one nutrition coaching spots open heading into May. I can't believe it's May. Holy cow. Let me know. I'll drop my application in the show notes below. And if I can help in any way, as always, let me know. But you've got a lot of education, a lot of information. If you tune into the podcast, you know I'm always throwing something helpful at you week after week. It all comes down to application. Are you holding yourself accountable? Probably not because notoriously humans are terrible at holding themselves accountable. So do you have systems and structures in place that hold you accountable and keep you showing up day after day after day, even when you don't freaking feel like it? Stop saying these 10 things, squad. Please stop saying these 10 things. Examine why you might want to say them, where it's stemming from, but then remind yourself of what is actually true, what is actually rooted in nutrition science so that you can continue moving forward closer towards your big, powerful goal and stop sabotaging your success because of limiting beliefs perpetuated by diet culture. Catch you on the flip side, squad. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health 
Wealth and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.